Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today we'll be exploring the relationship between UFOs and the demonic. My guest is traditionalist philosopher, former beatnik poet Charles Upton. His first two books of poetry, Panic Grass in 1968 and Time Raid in 1969, were published by City Lights in San Francisco, known for publishing the works of the great beatnik poets. He subsequently became engaged in metaphysics and the traditionalist movement and is author of many books, including Hammering Iron John, a spiritual critique of Bly's Iron John, Folk Metaphysics, Mystical Meanings in Traditional Folk Songs and Spirituals, Cracks in the Great Wall, UFOs and Traditional Metaphysics, Knowings in the Arts of Metaphysics, Cosmology, and the Spiritual Path, The Science of the Greater Jihad, Essays in Principal, Principial Psychology, The System of the Antichrist, Truth and Falsehood in Postmodernism and the New Age, Vectors of the Counter-Initiation, The Course and Destiny of Inverted Spirituality, and most recently, The Alien Disclosure Deception, The Metaphysics of Social Engineering. Charles is in Lexington, Kentucky, and now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Charles. It's nice to see you again. And before we get too much further, I want to remind our viewers that they'll have a very good sense of you and your background, both as a poet and as what I would call a traditionalist philosopher, if they watch the first video. And for people who are able to get the link, that is, if you're not viewing this on a smartphone, it'll be in the upper right-hand corner of, of your screen. So, welcome. Well, glad to be here and um, glad to talk about my UFO book, which is on the front burner in my life right now. Un unless, unless people get too interested in my Alexander Dugan book, given the situation with Ukraine, which is, seems to be happening, but later for that. <laughs> That'll be another very interesting topic. But let's uh, talk about your UFO book now. There's so many threads to it. It has to do with the, the nature of UFOs, with the nature of the demonic, and also, I think, with the nature of, of the kinds of deceptive, manipulative activities that are taking place all the time. Right. Not simply the kind of deceptions that cluster around the UFO phenomenon, but the basic ways that social engineering deception is being used for social engineering in so many fields. So, well, okay, I would say begin with I am not a ufologist. I am I am essentially a, a metaphysician, and which means that my ufology is uh, 
special application of metaphysics to a particular field, a particular phenomenon, which is the UFO phenomenon. And um, I could say very simplistically uh, that uh, my book is about uh, a consideration of the ufology of Jacques Vallée, who is, I think, the, the best of the ufologists and has been for some time, through the lens of the metaphysics and cosmology of traditionalist metaphysician René Guénon. Because um, what we need to understand the phenomenon is we need to understand the essential nature of being. <laughs> we don't understand, this, understand that. Um, UFOs will be will be continuously anomalous, strange events that people pursue one by one, trying to figure them out. You know, what are are, are they extraterrestrial astronauts, astronauts, or are they, uh, you know, hoaxes, or are they interdimensional beings? And what are interdimensional beings? And all and and people go down these different rabbit holes, all of which have a certain amount of truth, but they don't have a unified uh, vision of, of of how all these things relate. So Jacques Vallée essentially came up with three aspects of, of the UFO phenomenon, and, and he went pretty deeply into all of them. One of them is, of course, the physical evidence. Are these things real in that sense? Do they, they appear? Apparently so. They appear in radar. They leave physical traces, and there's certainly physical effects of people on people who have been abducted, and all of this is documented. That's one set of data. The other is... They're apparently psychic and paranormal. They, they deeply affect our psyches. They they they, they exhibit paranormal aspects. You know, they're they're like partially material. They're translucent and they appear and disappear out of nowhere. And sometimes the UFO aliens walk through the walls into your bedroom and come into your dreams. And so there's all of that stuff. And then the third one is their human deception activities, as I'd like to say, of the Mission Impossible variety, for anybody who remembers that program, uh, that cluster around the event. And it's very hard for people to put these three together. I mean, how can how can it be all three, you know? I mean, so in other words, w when I talk about the deception aspect of, of, of the phenomenon, people say, well, are, are you saying that, that UFOs are all hoaxes? You're saying they're all hoaxes? No, I'm not. You know, um, and 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 uh, you know, and if you say they're psychic, then people say, well, then they couldn't be astronauts. And you say they're astronauts, and they say, well, how can they affect you psychically? People go around in circles. Whereas, from a standpoint of traditional metaphysics, you can see um, that there's a base phenomenon, and it's a certain type of phenomenon that has always been reported. And it emanates from a particular level in the hierarchy of being. If you want to say traditional metaphysics includes, among other things, three aspects. One is ontology, the science of being, the science of the hierarchy, hierarchy of being, levels of being, how the universe is constructed, which can be found in one way or another in almost every sacred tradition. I mean, you can find things in... in uh, in Lakota myth that, 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 are, that are like Thomas Aquinas, you know, if you know how to read the symbols and read the doctrines. So there's a great unanimity in, in the sense of, of how being is. And then a second one, as, as we're talking about today, is, is demonology, which is how the hierarchy of being can be subverted or attempt to be subverted in, in various inst particular instances. And the third is eschatology, 
like the science of apocalypse, because I believe that, that the UFO phenomenon at this point in, in history is related to our being in the latter days. So, um, but all of us go back to traditional metaphysics, and if you have a clear understanding of that discipline, UFOs are not a mystery. You can reach certainty as to what they are, not in every instance. I mean, you know, there, there, there may be some that are hoaxes. There may be some, you know, that, that, that are delusions. There may be, who knows, that there, 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 there may be some which, which are tests of unknown human technology that, 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 are, that are taking place under the cover of the UFO idea. Well, these must be, you know, from another planet. Um, but if there wasn't a basic phenomenon, then those hoaxes would be pointless. And those those uh, clandestine, you know, uh, tests of, of, of arcane technology, would there would be no way to cover them up. Because you, you, what? They're, they are what? You know, unless there's a UFO phenomenon, you can't use it to cover up uh, some other phenomenon. So, so this is uh, – and I, I think what UFOs are has always been known in general terms by those who, who understand the nature of being, you know, in, in some cases there were whole societies who had a general idea of what these things were. Some cases it was only small groups of, of, of uh, philosophers or uh, who would understand that. But generally it's, it, it, this is nothing new. We, we, we know what these are. You're referring in particular to the metaphysics of René Guénon. And in our previous interview, we talked a lot about the, your background in traditionalist thinking and uh, philosophy, your relationship to Fritjof Schoen, uh, and, and to my friend, our mutual friend, Houston Smith. We haven't talked about René Guénon really to any extent. So maybe you could fill our viewers in a little bit about him. Well, he was a, a French philosopher, a metaphysician who operated in the 20th century. He died in, when was it, 1950 or, or 49, I think it was 1950. And um, he, like, like, like people in the 60s and since, he went through all of the occult groups that he could possibly find in France, you know, before um, you know, mostly between the two wars, maybe a little bit before, but uh, you know, he he was connected with the the Martinists and 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 the neo Gnostics and the Theosophical Society and everything he did. You know, he just he was very hot to find, you know, the mystical, the occult, or the metaphysical secrets, and he came out of this world. Except he didn't entirely come out of of uh, Freemasonry, but generally he came out of that world saying. This stuff isn't just crazy. It's subversive. There's a lot of evil going on here. And at the same time, he was studying um, the traditional doctrines of the world religions, particularly Vedanta. He wrote a couple of wonder wonderful books. One, one was called uh, Man and His Becoming, according to the Vedanta. It's a classic. And uh, he was also studying Taoism. And in other words, he was he, he was studying the esoteric or inner meanings of the world's religions. And he came to the conclusion that knowledge, that kind of knowledge is on an infinitely higher and more wholesome level than the knowledge of the, the, the generally esotericist, occultist groups, some of whom are overt Satanists. 
So he said, you know, yes, there's an esoteric knowledge, but you're not going to find it in in this this stew of cults that, that, that was available in France and Europe, uh, you know, during the time he was investigating them. So uh, two of his first books were exposés of spiritualism and theosophical society. They were very, you know, um, th they were exposés like we have nowadays, you know, <laughs> you know, they, they, they were um, they were very well done. And then um, he wrote so many books on pure metaphysics. He wrote books on um, the metaphysical exegesis of poetry, myth and and, uh, and, and and symbolism. And then his his concluding masterpiece was The Reign of Quantity in the Science of the Times, which is essentially his book on eschatology on. He believes that we're coming to the end of this manvantara, which is you know, the Hindu term for a cycle of manifestation. And, you know, and that this is very much like the lore of uh, Christianity, Islam, uh, and Hinduism as well, uh, uh, that that we are now in the latter days of this cycle, you know, and the, the last days of the Kali Yuga in, in Hindu terms. So he wrote a, a very abstract but very powerful book on more or less the science of apocalypse, how the, the, the final uh, phases of this cycle will work out, you know, and why they're, why they're doing it metaphysically, you know. And he says essentially, well, his brilliant thing was to take the cycle of manifestation in Hinduism, the Manvantara, well, the, the four yugas, which are essentially, you know, the, in Western terms, the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, and the Iron Age, each of which is darker and shorter than the one before, and then you go back to a golden age of the next cycle. He took that concept and he put it, uh, he expressed it in Aristotelian Thomistic terms. He's saying, you know, the, 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 a, a manvantra, a cycle is, is coming from um, a condition of essence or, or, or form, um, and it's descending through various stages to, to, to from from the essential pole to the substantial pole. The substantial pole is is matter considered to be self-sufficient, you know, without the spirit. And it's extremely chaotic and and it, it is it is virtually without form. It cannot be completely without form. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. But it's virtually without form, whereas uh, in the early ages of the cycle, Qualities are, are 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 more paramount. Form is more paramount. Time is slower. Space is more dominant. We're closer to a sense of eternity. In the latter days of the cycle, everything is 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 you know whooshing past like a bat out of hell, and form is getting broken down, and everything is becoming chaotic. And you know, uh, and this is perfectly descriptive of what's going on now. So what he said is that it it it. Late in the cycle, what will happen is the, the energy wall, which some call the etheric wall, and which appears in the Quran as this wall that this figure Dul-Nun, whoever he might be, Dul-Karnain, excuse me, Dul-Karnain, which means two-horned, we don't know who that is. Was it Alexander the Great? Was it, you know, it's it's a myth that, that people have, have uh, um you know, disputed about. But anyway, th this figure goes to, to the extremities of the world, east and the west, and he finds that the hordes of Gog and Magog are breaking through. And so he creates this huge iron wall, you know, to keep them out. And uh, Regenon says, well, that wall is starting to break down now. 
And what's happening, it's letting in infrapsychic forces. You know, the, the, this is the, the, the energy wall between the material plane and the subtle plane. And we can see that so clearly, I mean, especially since LSD or since nuclear weapons or since computers and electronic technology. Some, you know, this world is not as solid as it used to be. You know, it's it's uh, it's becoming volatilized and very dark um, infrapsychic forces are breaking through from below through the cracks in this great wall. And so that's what's going to happen first. And uh, because when, when, when the Great Wall is solid, you know, and when nothing is breaking through from either below or above, this is the era, uh, era of materialism. This is like 19th century materialism, you know, and, and, you know or, or even in, in movies in the 20th century, uh, science fiction movies, someone will say, well, this couldn't be happening. This is the 20th, 20th century. You know, well, I'm sorry, now we're in the 21st century, and that's all that's happening, you know, is, is this stuff is breaking through. Um, so, so, uh, but when that wall is solid, everything appears material and, you know, as, as if matter materialism can explain everything, but then that doesn't work and it starts to crack and dark forces come through. Uh, and this is the, the, the move according to Gaynon from what he called anti-tradition, which is materialism pretty much to counter tradition, which is a perversion of, of, of spiritual truth. Uh, very often very conscious perversion of it. And uh, this is where we are now. But the, ne the next thing that happens is there are going to be other cracks appear in the upward direction. And through those cracks will come, let us say, the Messiah, which in, in all traditions have a different aspect, a different uh, sense of name for the Messiah. You know, in, in Christianity, it's the Christ of the Perusia. It's the Messiah in Judaism and in, in his Islam, it's the Mahdi or the Mahdi is the more properly the herald of the Messiah, who is uh, the prophet Jesus, who will slay the Antichrist. And uh, in Hinduism, it's the Kalki Avatara who will initiate the new the new age, the, the new uh, cycle of manifestation. And in Buddhism, it's Maitreya. And this figure is, is th throughout all the religions. So um, when the, uh, the cracks start to open in the upward direction, um, first, there, there will be a great angelic manifestation, which is there now if you can sense it. You know, uh, finally, things are not going to be allowed to get ultimately dark. Finally, the human form is not going to be totally perverted. The world as we know it may not survive, but this does not mean that evil will triumph by any means. So uh, and just speaking psychophysically, the crack in the upward direction is the Brahmarandra, the point at the crown of the skull. Uh, which uh, in yoga is understood as a, uh, you know, as a point of opening to uh, to higher states of consciousness. Also, the Hopis have the same thing. They say, uh, you know, always keep the the door in the top of your head open and keep listening through that door because that's where your guidance is coming from. So, you know, th that's opening in, in, the, uh, in the upper direction. So this is the framework of eschatology that, that I'm essentially working through to, to, uh, 
talk about UFOs. It's mostly from Guénon, but of course, Guénon draws on many, many different traditions. He's not just, this is not his, his personal invention. Now, I suppose it's fair to point out that even amongst traditionalists, there are diverging points of view on on many of the fine points here. You you mentioned that you were very much influenced by Fritjof Schuen, who, as I recall from our previous conversation, had some falling out with Guénon. Well, uh, Schuen wanted to be the authority. He took much from Guénon. He had some legitimate critiques of Guénon, which were valid. You know, Guénon said, well, the, the, the Catholic Church has, has lost its inner dimension completely. And that's why he, he spent so much time, one of the reasons, with uh, Freemasonry, because he was trying to find or invent or create uh, an esoteric inner dimension that could take its place in the Catholic Church because he thought the Church had lost it. Well, the church might have lost largely under understanding of, of the treasures that it had, but uh, Schoen came forward and said, well, Guénon was wrong there because the initiatory inner dimension of the Catholic Church is the sacraments. These are the initiatory rites, you know, baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist. And uh, essentially Dionysius the Areopagite, the pseudo-Areopagite, uh, early uh, uh, Christian father uh, had exactly the same initiatory sense of Christianity in, in his book, The Ecclesiastical Hierarchy. So uh, so they, they they differed legitimately. You know, Guénon was certainly more sophisticated in understanding the darkness of the world and what was going on, but which Schoen largely, although not entirely ignored, uh, Schoen was right at, on that point, from my, in my opinion, uh, that Guénon did not understand what uh, Catholic or Christian initiation was. In fact, Guénon did not understand, he didn't know much about hesychasm, which is an actually a, a more or less initiatory um, spiritual way within Eastern Orthodoxy, which is very close in form to Sufism, almost strangely enough identical. You know, the the, the, closer, the closer people are, religions are to each other, the, the more they fight, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's very, very, very similar. So he didn't know about that very much. And but then, you know, uh, Schoen had his own problems. You know, he, he um, was initiated in a Sufi order, a legitimate Sufi order of the, of the uh, Alawiya under um Sheikh Ahmed al-Alawi, and then he ran off and did his own order without real authorization because he had visions of the Virgin Mary. And he did some very interesting things, very interesting books, said some very enlightening and helpful things, particularly for our time. But his group became, well, he, he had one of the uh, uh, classical guru meltdowns that we've seen so many of, you know, and, uh, you know, he 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 conducted you know, uh, rituals in, 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 of sacred nudity and things like this, which are just, you know, if you want to make sure something's going to go wrong, just do that. Particularly if, if, if you're, if you say you're a Muslim and, and are calling yourself a Sufi master, then you do that. No, nah, it doesn't work, you know, but, you know, uh, a lot of enlightenment and a lot of wisdom came out of Shun, If but you really have to pick and choose and you have to criticize uh, where he went wrong. Well, with regard to the whole UFO circus that we seem to be immersed in, 
it strikes me that in, in some ways it's not so different from how you've described the traditionalist movement. There are many different threads. There are some people I've talked to who consider themselves contactees and would describe their experience as being almost entirely if not entirely angelic, with uh, uh, beings who have nothing but positive hopes and wishes for humanity. And uh, I know in your work, you focus on the demonic side. Well, yeah. And, and I would not say that, that, that those um, experiences are necessarily false. Now, generally speaking, I am saying that um, the UFOs exhibit the phenomenology of the beings known as the jinn, who, who are subtle material beings, not, you know, properly spiritual as the angels. You know, it may be that angels can only become convincing to people nowadays by presenting themselves as aliens, for all I know. But what I want to say is um, there is so much darkness in that world. Now, the, now the, 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 the jinn, according to the, uh, the Quran, some of the jinn are Muslims. You know, some some of the jinn are positive and good, and they they worship Allah and 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 they follow the Quran. Others are not, but but in, generally speaking, the jinn tend in a demonic direction. Um, now, you know, one one place here, I'm going to read you a quote from John Mack, and uh, this is now, you know, John Mack. Uh, uh, was a um, psychiatrist. He was a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, author who wrote something on, on, on uh, T.E. Lawrence, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. And uh, he um, became uh, the major, one of the few uh, psychologists or psychiatrists at one point who um, studied uh, and, and treated people who had been abducted by aliens. And his view of aliens, he, 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 he had a very positive view of them. He said, these beings are, are here to teach us. And, you know, he, he was pro-alien. Yet, this is his description after um, perhaps 100 cases of people he treated. So he says, I mean, this is a little quote from my book. John E. Mack, et cetera, et cetera, recounts nearly 100 cases of human abductions by aliens many of whose victims he personally treated and lists among the effects on them of such unfortunate encounters, quote, physical and psychological scars of their experience, ranging from nightmares and anxiety to chronic nervous agitation, depression, even psychosis, to actual physical scars, puncture and incision marks, scrapes, burns, and sores. He informs us that the alien abductors routinely subject their victims to terrifying and humili humiliating medical-like procedures. They also voyeuristically view them performing sexual intercourse or themselves have intercourse with them. He speaks of broken marriages and alienation of affection between parents and children as among the more common after effects and says that negative physical and psychological effects persist even in cases where spontaneous healing of chronic or incurable diseases occurs. Now, and he was pro-alien. He thought this was all good. But to me, that's a description of something I never want to have happened to me. And it is, it is perfectly in line with what is known in, in various religions, religious traditions, 
Eastern Orthodox Christianity, Catholic exorcism, uh, about what demons are and how they appear and, and their effects. Now, uh, like I say, you can say that not every fish in shark-infested waters is a shark. That doesn't mean it's safe to swim in shark-infested waters. You know, I mean, that th there are innumerable different beings in, uh, of, of, uh, on the psychic plane, on the subtle psychic plane, some of whom are helpful, some of whom, I mean, you, you cannot say that, a, you know, like, like a nature spirit, you know, the, the, the spirit of, of, of a beautiful oak tree out in the woods, you know, the, the subtle deva or spirit of, the, of that tree is evil. I mean, that's not evil, <laughs> you know, they're doing their job, you know, they're keeping the forests growing. This is a good, very good thing. But generally speaking, there's so much evil in there. And uh, the other thing is that the people, you see, I believe that elements of the military industrial intelligence complex, um, starting basically after World War II, they looked and they said, we can't figure out what these beings are. You know, they started as the Foo Fighters that, that were seen uh, in World War II, you know, with the uh, bomber crews uh, flying over to bomb Germany, you know, and these Foo Fighters, these, you know, orbs would follow the planes. And uh, and the, the, then, of course, right after World War II, you had Roswell and you had the uh, uh, Kenneth Arnold uh, sightings and all of this. And I believe that the powers that be said, we can't figure out what these are and we can't control them. But guess what? We can use them. We can craft a myth surrounding the UFO phenomenon that we will slowly, you know, um, project into society so that whenever one of these events happens, uh, sighting or uh, an abduction, these events will seem to confirm that myth. This is the way this is the way we will give people to think about it. And the problem with this is, is that myth includes uh, is is directly anti-religious. I mean, it, it is it is. Let's see. Put it this way. Uh, this is a quote from, and this is not in my book. Wish I wish I'd had it, you know, written it later so I could get this in. But this is by William Sims Bainbridge, co-director of Cyber Human Systems at the National Science Foundation, senior fellow of the Institute for Ethics and Emerging Technologies, and one of our most prominent transhumanists. Now, he, he wrote this 40 years ago, but he's, he is still in, in those positions now, or at least in the, in the National Science Foundation. And he said this, these flying saucer cults are all quite insignificant but one like them could well rise to prominence in a future decade. We need se several really aggressive, attractive space religions meeting the emotional needs of different segments of our population, driving traditional religions and retrograde cults from the field. Now, here I say, here the UFO myth is being openly presented as the enemy of every traditional religion on Earth. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism. Buddhism, all of them, all are considered to be retrograde cults. Now, and, and the problem with the, the, the religious, the, uh, the UFO myth as it's been crafted, 
is it denies one of its major dogmas is it denies that the human race was created by God. We were not created by God. We were created by the UFO aliens through genetic engineering. We are their lab rats. Therefore, any concept of human dignity is out the window. And so you have an overt attack on religion. I mean, Stephen Greer, whenever Stephen Greer mentions the word religion, he just, you know, boils over with snake venom, you know, religious nuts, religious, you know, fanatics. Ah, he hates, he hates the religions. Now, that hatred has got to have a reason for it. So to the degree that, that, that we see that, that uh, fulminating hatred of the religions, we're seeing something demonic. And, and I think this is very much supported by John Mack's uh, description of the basic thing that he was seeing with 100 cases of, of uh, UFO abduction, alien abduction. So, you know, I'm not saying that, that, that a positive event, uh, you know, cannot come out of the paranormal. They do all the time. Angels come out of the paranormal. It may be that people don't believe in angels. You know, they can't, they can, what's an angel? That's stupid. You know, some, some, some gir girly type with, uh, with wings, you know, I don't want to see that. So whatever, I, I, I don't know how these things operate and it's a very imponderable, but, and so people could have had positive experiences, but we must not ignore the great, you know, preponderance of terribly negative uh, uh, influence coming from the UFO phenomenon or the way that the powers that be are taking hold of that dark darkness and using it to mold our consciousness and to change our society from one that, that has been basically Christian and democratic to one that is Luciferian and transhumanistic. And that is what's going on. Back to traditionalist metaphysics. I think it would be fair to say that the the metaphysical cosmology that uh, you're uh, subscribing to and and that you attribute to people like Guénon and Fritjof Schoen is one in which there is a vast hierarchy of beings ranging from God ultimately at the top and the, the heavenly host or angels and then nature spirits and devas and then below all of that there's a, a demonic order probably figuring uh, on on sort of a, a, a satanic figure, an antichrist, something, some being who is almost the equivalent of God, but not quite because it must have been a creation of God to begin with. What I say about Satan is, is that, you know, you ask, do you believe that Satan exists as an individual being? And, you know, big question. You know, and I said, well, th this is partly tongue in cheek, but I said, uh, well, he would like to exist, but he doesn't have what it takes. <laughs> What is the shadow of something? The shadow of something wouldn't exist, you know, w without the, without the light and without the without the object that that the light is shining on to cast a shadow. So the shadow is real in a sense. In a sense, it's not real. You know, it's not unreal in the sense that it has no effects. If you fall into the shadow, you cannot see. You'll stumble over something and hurt yourself, to, at the very least. But but you know. Uh, Evil is essentially uh, a privation. You know, this is what Thomas Aquinas said, a privatio boni, a privation of the good, a privation of the real. It's a hole in being. 
And a hole in being has a great effect. I mean, you know, you walk along and you fall into a hole and you and, and you can die. But the thing is that the power of that hole is not because it has positive being, but because it, it is it is a, a privation an emptiness, not an emptiness in the Buddhist sense of, you know, something that's beyond all determinations and empty in that sense and emptiness in the sense of of of, of a privation of being that, that acts as a vampire on, on more in, in, integrated levels of being. And th that's one of the things that universal manifestation makes necessary. That's one of the possibilities. And so there it is, because there's all possibility and all possibilities have to be manifested in the course of the cycle. My own sense of the demonic is that the first place one should look for it is within oneself. I have a sense that uh, a lot of uh, the greatest evil that's been done on this planet has been done in the name of fighting evil. Uh, it becomes what the Jungians call a projection, and, and that's the great danger of trying to point out the demonic somewhere outside of oneself. Well, I mean, it's, it, it is inside oneself, too. If you want to talk about the, the Antichrist, I consider the Antichrist to be the manifestation of the collective ego of humanity. Ego not in the sense of, of the conscious personality that, that, that is, you know, can, can make decisions and whatever, but in the, in the sense of, um, you know, the negative sense of, of that which stands in the way of spiritual realization, the ego, egotism. Uh, which can also be defined as obsessive self-definition, you know, instead of letting God define you, instead of being willing to be who God knows you to be, you say, no, I'm going to invent my own self. Forget it. I don't need you. And you, you obsessively try to figure out who you are and make yourself better or, 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 or justify yourself. And that, you know, that, that's one way of looking at what the ego is. But the collective ego of humanity is will and is will manifest and is manifesting as the antichrist because um we're getting near the end of the cycle you know i mean there's there so many ways that 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 all this could end you know that we see wherever we look you know and this produces a profound universal fear and when people are in a state of fear they can do one thing or another i mean they they can turn and they say all right to God, thy will be done. You know what? What? You know what? What is to be will be, and all of this is in the hands of God. And whatever happens, you know, if if I maintain my faith in God, my faith you know, that, that that the universe is not ultimately wrong, then something good, perhaps inconceivable to be now, will come out of this. Or you can say, you know. You know, anything not to think about this, anything not to let this happen, you know, weapons of mass distraction come in because of the, of the universal fear. The, the metaverse comes in, you know, you don't have to worry about your nuclear war. You can go into the metaverse where everything you, you can have, anything you want, any fantasy you want can be three dimensionally manifested through your virtual reality goggles and go for it. And, you know, which is going to if, if this really takes hold, this is going to be you know, phenomenally destructive to the human soul and human society, you know, obviously. But anyway, uh, so, so, uh, so what happens is, um, you know, it, 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 uh, it's, it's like, like those, um, 
those stages of death that, that uh, Kubler-Ross talked about, you know, there, there, there are different ones where, 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 you know, like there's bargaining and there's different things. You look at those stages of death and you can say an entire society can go through those. And there's one point where uh, we say if we, if we pool all our egos into one big ego, that will save us. You know, and, and, and so in a certain sense, we're looking for an antichrist. We're looking for uh, a savior in materialistic terms who will magically make all the consequences of our actions evaporate without our having to live them out. And because we're afraid. And, and so whatever promises to do that uh, is an aspect of the system of antichrist. And there may be at one point an actual human figure who is the center of that, or there may not. You know, it could be just a system, you know, but uh, that, that, that is that tendency, you know, and, and there's a point at which forces of darkness can come in and make promises. You know, the thing you fear most, and th th this is what I'm seeing, like in that Netflix, there was a Netflix original series, which I analyzed in my book called um, Top Secret UFO Projects Declassified, which which brings together the whole UFO myth as it has been crafted. It's very, very convenient in that way. And, you know, one of the things they said when the UFO aliens come, you know, they will solve our our environmental problems. They will end war. They will end um, uh, economic disparities, you know, and th this is the promise that's being made. Uh, but uh, 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 we, it was something we were to expect from beings who do all those terrible things to human beings that John Mack detailed. We're supposed to put our hope in them, you know, because if we're afraid enough, we'll put our hope in anything. It's a bit like the uh, Stockholm syndrome, you know. Let's let's define that for viewers who may not know. And I, I, I forget the incident that came from it, but uh, there, there were some people who were um, kidnapped by terrorists, and, and they began to develop uh, a great uh, love and trust in the people who, who had uh, kidnapped them, because after all, they, they didn't kill us today. Isn't that wonderful? They're such wonderful people. You know, this is, this is a, a, a brainwashing technique where torture <clears throat> is um, alternated with relief, you know. So someone is tortured, and 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 then then the torture comes forward and says, "Look, we didn't really want to do this. This is we. I don't enjoy this. Okay, I don't enjoy doing this to you. It's just you know we 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 have to go through this because we have you know the, the thing that we're doing. But really, you know, I'm, I have no personal you know uh, animosity with you, and and I kind of like you, you know. And the guy says, "Oh yeah, yeah, I like you too, man. Thanks a lot, you know, <laughs> because uh, the relief drives people crazy. They they they." They, they misinterpret relief of, of, of torture from the torturer as a kind of friendship. Well, I was living in Berkeley during the Patty Hearst kidnapping by the Symbionese, Symbionese Liberation Army. And here she was, a wealthy heiress who ended up joining a, a group of terrorists after she had been kidnapped. Of course, we don't know the whole story of that. <laughs> Who knows what was going on? But yeah, that, that's if 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 the way it was presented to us is in fact more or less true. That's a perfect example of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, it strikes me, Charles, that with regard to UFOs and the idea that there's some manipulation going on behind the scenes that the 
I think the way you put it is that the UFOs are essentially paranormal, largely demonic, but this fact is being used by some very powerful, uh, I think you use the phrase, the powers that be, for their own purposes. Uh, It strikes me that we live in largely a pluralistic society where there are dozens of different groups all pushing their own agendas. And, and at the end of the day, there are very few real powers that be that, that are capable of influencing society to move in one direction. Yeah. And, and if society was influenced to move in a certain direction to, to, to such a point that the change was so universal and, and so all-pervading that people didn't notice it because it seemed to be just the way things are, then uh, then they would say exactly what you said. There's nobody manipulating us. This is just, you know, we, we all came to this conclusion uh, on our own, you know, uh, or we didn't even come to a conclusion. Isn't this the way things always were? You know, there's that tendency. So I, I think, re, re, okay, read my book. And you will see a lot of the history of the social engineering project since World War II that, 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 that went into crafting the UFO myth. It's very and, – and, and the number of CIA people involved in UFO groups is phenomenal. It's to the Stars Academy, there they are. You look at the board members, CIA, so-and-so, so-and-so. I mean, the CIA has been doing social engineering ever since uh, MK Ultra which probably is still going on in some way or another. Uh, and, and, and so th- this, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. You know? In fact, uh, a, a law, a law, 1962, you know that quote from, uh, from General Douglas MacArthur? Yes, I recall that, yeah. Yeah, it said in a speech to the cadets at West Point on May 12, 1962, he says, we deal now not with the things of this world alone, but with the illimitable distances and as yet unfathomed mysteries of the universe, of ultimate conf- conflict between a united human race and the sinister forces of some other planetary galaxy, of such dreams and fantasies as to make life the most exciting of all times. And through all this welter of change and development, your mission remains fixed, determined, inviolable. It is to win our wars. So he said this in 1962, which really gives the lie to the idea that the U.S. government was only trying to debunk UFOs for the past 70 years. That's one of the things they were doing. The other thing they were doing was this. And that double message creates a cognitive dissonance in the population, which makes them highly susceptible to suggestion and manipulation. Well, this, I think, is one of the most profound ideas in your book, that we are getting contradictory messages like like this, it, uh, sometimes referred to as a double blind. And there's even a theory that this is what produces schizophrenia. Yes, exactly. Somewhere in my book, I'm saying that these these techniques, which I call um, what unconscious contradiction and deferred closure, or two of the two of the ones I identified, they're an experimental method of creating schizophrenia. I mean, certainly, wouldn't MK Ultra be very interested in that kind of thing? That's the kind of stuff they were doing, you know. So anyway, um, 
you know, it's 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 hard to admit we're being, you know, uh, because because once you get into a, you know, an understanding or a belief that this kind of manipulation goes on, people don't have a comprehensive enough view of things and they go after one part of it and, and they become obsessed with it. And, you know, I mean, conspiracy theories are not things that, that simply say terrible things are going on that we don't know about, or they're not fully uh, understood. The, the conspiracy, the, the paranoid part comes in where, where the person says, no, I understand it. I got the whole thing. It's this. And they hold on to one part of it. And we have so many examples of people who have, you know, taken an element of the truth and become obsessed with it, and, and until it becomes absurd and and ridiculous, and um, and so what this does is um, it, uh, it it puts the whole enterprise of looking, you know, uh, investigating hidden social forces and psychological forces. It puts it all in a bad light. And because a lot of unbalanced people uh, do it, you know. But uh, if we have a, a, a fuller conception of things, and I think the, the, the first step in that is to have some sense of metaphysical reality, then I think it's possible to investigate this sort of thing without becoming, without reaching premature closure, which is what paranoia is. It, you know, it's pre, you know, the, the schizophrenic gets, has too much information. How, and he tries to make sense of this. And then, and then, because the human mind needs to, to to make sense, needs to have some belief system to uh, to, to to say, well, what is reality? What is real? So uh, a premature closure is made on this flood of data by abnormal means, and that's what a paranoid delusional system is. It's the closure that's the problem. So, well, I've made some closures myself, I guess, but uh, you know who. who We'll, we'll we'll see who turns up crazy, and not in this world probably. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting if we could uh, stick around long enough to see how the uh, final act plays out. the The question that I have at this point is: to what extent uh, is this schizophrenic reality, which reality does seem to be very schizophrenic. To what extent is it the result of deliberate manipulation by the powers that be? And to what extent is it the natural product of a pluralistic universe? Well, I, I would say for, for, the, for the second aspect of this, the natural product of the, the disorganization of things and the loss of form at the end of the cycle and the descent of, of the of the manvantra of the cycle into the substantial pole, uh, w which is uh, materialistic chaos, you know, like, you know, the Heisenberg indeterminacy world, right? Um, well, what Rene Ganon said about that, he says, okay, the, the, uh, the, uh, as he called it, the, the degeneration of the cosmic environment happens inevitably in the course of the cycle. And so but what, what this does is bring negative possibilities forward, but it does not actualize. Them. He says it requires actual human groups, real human groups to actualize the possibilities. There are times in which the kind of dark things that are being done to us just couldn't have been done because, you know, we were closer to, to uh, social cohesion to psychological balance and and to a sense of, of spiritual reality and so uh, th th there wasn't as much scope for this kind of destruction 
Now there's a great deal of scope for it. And there are various groups that come forward and say, ah, n now the, um, you know, the human race is, is uh, weak enough and, and we, we can do our thing. Um, I always like, I like to say the devil is an opportunistic infection. When the psychic immune system, you know, the, the, the sense of psychic integrity becomes weakened, then all sorts of forces from without can invade. So that, that, this is the relationship between the demonic and what's going on, as you brought forward, in, in, in us, in our souls. You know, we have to be in a state uh, where the demonic can affect us, um, you know, can can um, pervert our will, our affections and our intelligence. We, we, and, and, and we have to we have to have been damaged either by our own actions or by trauma, by whatever may have happened to us in life. But we, we, we become weakened to a point where those outer forces can affect us. So, um, yeah, it's both. <laughs> well, do you feel for yourself in particular or, or for other people that uh, that means you, you've lost control of your life? Control of my life. Well, I mean, who controls my life? Uh, you know, the the one who the one who who has my life in his hands is God. I mean, my my control of my own life is is only provisional at best. Anything things can go wrong. Circumstances can go wrong. I, you know, you can get sick. You can lose your money. Uh, uh, something, you know, a collective disaster can come down. Well, do we ever have control of our lives in, in, in a real sense? We, we, we have as much as, as we can put together. But, you know, if uh, I have found that, that I have no shape or stability in my life unless I say to God, thy will be done. And then his will starts to operate and things start to make sense and start to go in a coherent direction. Whereas if I say, you know what I'd like to do, I think I need more of this. And I'm, why don't I, you know, and then when I do that, then things start to go to hell. I mean, it, it may simply be that, that, that I've ha not had the resources that some people have to maintain the illusion of self-determination. <laughs> and I've had, I've had to recognize my weakness. I've had to recognize my, my, my inadequacies and my psychological and, and, uh, circumstance imbalances and circumstantial deficiencies and so th this is one of the things that brings you closer to god you know you have you have to keep praying or 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 things go to hell you know well it sounds as if you're saying that there's some sort of a uh a demonic force that manifests itself paranormally that has struck up consciously or unconsciously an alliance with various powers that be I wouldn't say that that that's absolutely certain, but I would certainly say many things suggest that. And I can't, you know, I, I, I can't go beyond this. Well, I mean, you know, like Jack Parsons, for example, you, you know, Jack Parsons, the founder of Caltech. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and he, he, and, and of the jet propulsion laboratory co-founder and of the, and of the Aeros, uh, Aerojet corporation, an early rocket scientist. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> he, he he has a um, crater named after him on the dark side of the moon. He presented early plans for the Pentagon building, very much integrated in the powers that be. The thing is, he was a pagan magician who did mag magical invocations at his rocket launchings. 
and uh, he declared, oh, he 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 was a a fellow student with L. Ron Hubbard, who founded Scientology, of uh, black magician Aleister Crowley, who was not only a black magician, but uh, he was in British intelligence. And, uh, you know, th they, they learned from him. And then they were in this lodge, the Thelema Lodge, uh, Agape Lodge in, in um, Los Angeles. And um, he basically, he said, my purpose in life is to destroy Christianity. Okay. And uh, not only that, but now, if it's still there, I don't know, but uh, I found on YouTube that there's a, a, a old film of, of him doing what he called the Babylon workings, where he was invoking this, this being called Babylon. And he had something which he described as an electronic Ouija board, you know, uh, and, and you could hear there's a little audience and there was the filmmaker saying, well, what are you doing here? And, well, you see, he said, this is how we invoke demons. And it was Babylon, B-A-B-A-L-O-N, was a, a female demon that he worked with. And um, essentially, this is understandable because we know that UFOs have an effect on electronics. You know, the UFO flies over and the car engine dies. And so it's understandable that he could, would create some box with an, with an electromagnetic field where a demon could stick his finger in, you know, and, and, and you know, make... Uh, do a kind of a Ouija board communication through a device like this. So there he is. He's doing demonic invocation. He says, I'm here to destroy Christianity. And uh, he, he's founder of Caltech. So you'd think that, 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 that there, there's no uh, coming together of the powers that be in, in a worldly sense and the demonic? Certainly there is. I just don't know how universal it is and, and whether it's you know, he was an odd bird that <laughs> no one else did it. I don't, I think some other people did it too, are doing it, but I can't prove that. So I, I, I'm going to leave, leave that as, as uh, a question. It gets tricky. It gets very subtle because I, I think you would agree that even in uh, Christianity, which has done a lot of good in the world, that it, it's not immune from what one might call demonic infestation within the church itself. No, I mean, the, the Catholic Church now is, is officially pro-alien. I mean, there are people, major people, uh, like there was Corrado Balducci, who was a, the exorcist for the Diocese of Rome, who, who said, the UFO aliens are not demons. What he says is they're not examples of spirit attachment, which is strange, because that's a term from spiritualism, not from Catholicism. And what he meant, you know, th this isn't demonic possession. But he used, he used the spiritualist term. And he said, you know, and when they come, you know, uh, I would, we would baptize them. Maybe they can baptize us, you know, the very positive view of, of the aliens, which is in line with, uh, Pope Francis, uh, statement that he was on the Vatican website for years and it's gone now, but I've kept it. So if you want to see it where he says in an, an interview with, um, Vatican radio, he says, guess what? God does not exist. And, 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 and he says, you, you, you're shocked. God does not exist. You know, so what? God does not exist. We don't need God. We've got the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. We got them. So what's this God spray? It doesn't exist. So in other words, he denies the central dogma of the Catholic Church, the Nicene Creed, credo in unum deum. I believe in one God. And he reduces the Christian Trinity to a trio of pagan gods, because if it's three different gods, then 
you have polytheism, and this is no longer Christianity at all. And certainly Malachi Martin believed that the Vatican, you know, St. Peter's had been dedicated to Lucifer in a uh, particular uh, uh, ritual that happened at one point. So that's what he says. So anyway, but I mean, what's coming from the major Catholic Church is certainly quite sinister now. Well, you don't have to just look at the present. You can go back to medieval times and, and, and see all kinds of atrocities. That, 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 that was corruption. Oh, there's always been corruption. I mean, you know, the, 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 the Renaissance popes, the Medici popes, they, they owned uh, whorehouses, you know, and, and they got, they, they got the, uh, uh, the proceeds from the whorehouses. They were the pimps, you know. Oh, yeah. The, the, and, and, and so, well, this is good because it, 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 keeps, it keeps that phenomenon, you know, out of polite society. Well, you know, that's a theory that this all has been around. But, you know, this is not, is not what you would hope to see when looking at, at, at the Catholic Church. But yeah, there's been corruption all along, but only recently has there been total subversion, total heresy, total apostasy. No, there was, there was the Inquisition, there was the burning of witches. Those things aren't the result of corruption. That was evil. That was evil. That was corrupt. That was evil. But it was not apostate. Apostate is a different level. Apostate is, we're going to go over to the heretics. We're not going to burn them. We're going to become them. So that's a different thing. Well, one can look at pagan society that was pretty much wiped out by the church and see that it, it did have some positive elements. Oh, of course it had many positive elements. I mean, you see, the problem with pagan society is it's, it was old. If you look at the, there must have been a revelation that, that, that Greco-Roman paganism came from. It was maybe the Orphic tradition or, or you know, and, and, and certainly there was, there was a lot that they got from Egypt, you know, where, where, where you had a very high religious, religious uh, and spiritual understanding. It had just become, you know, uh, it got old. <laughs> You know, you, 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 people who are doing the mystery cults, perhaps, well, we don't know much about that, or the Neoplatonics, uh, you know, could hark back to a much higher potential in, in, in paganism. And, uh, but, you know, the, 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 the idea of Zeus as, as the personification of the one, as the, as the father of gods and men, is way different from from Zeus, one of the many gods, the first among equals, who's in rivalry with other gods and, and, and has problems with his wife and has, commits adultery and she gets mad and all of this. Obviously, the conception of the divine had, had degenerated over vast eons. And so whenever that happens, that's why a new revelation has to come. God will send a new revelation at that point. So, yeah, and, and of course, more was, was accepted from paganism. First, Christianity simply, simply did not wipe out paganism. It supplanted it. Sometimes it, it oppressed it. Other times the pagans really wanted something new because they were tired of a world where, 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 where the, the, you know, the, the greatest whorehouse in the world is, is, is the temple of Diana in Ephesus and, and, and where everyone is afraid of magic and everyone is, uh, you know, I, I went to, to, to Bath once in England, you know, where, which was a Roman... Roman bath, and uh, I see this pile of little shards that they found. What the shards were, you know, people would write curses against their enemies on these pieces of pottery and throw them into the bath 
as offerings to the goddess Solva or whatever, whoever she was, you know, that the, the, uh, the, 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 the uh, some goddess, local goddess who was syncretized with some Roman goddess. I don't know how that worked, but, you know, you know, and, and it was everybody was afraid of magic. Everybody was superstitious. And, 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 and you know, it, it was a very, very sad world, finally late antiquity. And people, a lot of the, of the pagans were, you know, accepted Christianity with open arms. And in other cases, you know, the, the, the Christians, you know, persecuted the, the pagans and, and, and the, um, you know, the platonic academies were closed and they, they had to go to Persia to survive, you know. And so, you know, it, 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 it was it was a mixed bag, but uh, no question of, uh, that, that, that the Greco-Roman world was falling apart and was going to do it one way or the other. And Christianity was, was able to have some effect on civilizing the barbarians and actually created the next world that made the Europe that, that is just now falling apart that lasted for 2,000 years. And so almost 2,000 years. So, you know, that there's always evil involved in religions because, because you know, th th there's evil involved in this world. And, and in the human soul, um, there's a question, though, I, I make a clear distinction between corruption and evil and uh, apostasy and, and a, a conscious turn against God. This is a different level. And this is fairly recent in the Catholic Church. Well, today we have writers like the great Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung, who, whom I know you take issue with, but, but he, he has proclaimed, he's written about flying saucers as the birth of a new religion, and he, he suggests that the saucer shape, the circle, is, is a symbol of wholeness, that there might be uh, some positive rejuvenation in society coming from this. Let's see what happens. There's an awful, there's also a lot of weird misshapen things that 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 you know like 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 the, the dark night or whatever that that satellite thing that was supposed to be out there and 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 they change shape and and you know uh i mean i don't know uh uh it's interesting that that cer certainly not all ufos are flying saucers but that's a classic shape and it's interesting you know what does it mean that it has radial symmetry unlike you know living beings or craft in this world you know, that that's an interesting point. You know, um, uh, what you have to see is 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 the general. The general drift of it. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily go along with 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 what Jung is saying. We can have a whole other conversation about your your critique of Jung. Jung was very important in my development. And, and, and I think he, he had a lot of very deep perceptions. They're just an element where you know he 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 believed he believed in god but he did not accept god as part of his system <laughs> you know uh essentially his his basic reality was was you know collective subjectivity which is the collective unconscious you know which is um the 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 imprints of past experiences of earlier phases of humanity that's all there but that's not God. And if you say that's the that's the basic reality. Now, individuation is interesting. I mean, some of the things he said about about the self archetype are very close 
to what the Sufis say about al-qalb or the spiritual heart. And so there, there is a confluence there. You know, the, 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 you can learn certain things. And there are certain Jungians that I'm very glad, you know, existed, like Marie-Louise von Franz. You know, I, I, my only problem with her is her Jungianism, you know, because <laughs> she she was so smart and so and she had so many perceptive things to say, like what she said about natural justice. You know, you know, you, you may think you've, you've escaped the long arm of the law, but the furies will get you. The natural justice will get you, you know, and that and or, or, or when Jung says oh, one of the deepest things, two deep things, Jung said, whatever is repressed is projected. Now that you can go to town with that. That is brilliant. And the other one is that you're going to individuate one way or the other. If you do it consciously, then wonderful. If you cooperate with the process, you, you can really become, you know, self-actualized in, in, in a wonderful way. Whereas if not, it's going to happen anyway, but it's going to happen in an inverted and ironic way. You're going to end up to be just, just what you were destined to be, you poor bastard, you know. And 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 but in neither neither case can you avoid the process. And I think that that is very deep. Well, that sounds like an example of uh, von Franz's natural justice. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm, I'm probably reading, seeing this in von Franz's through von Franz's eyes. Wouldn't you also say, Charles, that the the present situation, the UFO disclosure deception that you write about, is also an example of natural justice? Yeah, because. What I, I wrote something recently was said that the um, this is the time where everyone will have to reveal exactly the idols that they worship. No one can hide them anymore. They have to bring them out and reveal these are the idols I worship, we worship, and they will have to live out the consequences of that worship. You know, and, and that's inevitable. I mean, there's no there was no more time to say maybe it'll go some other way. No. You've made we have essentially made our decisions now, ninety nine point nine nine percent, and we will live out the consequences of them. And if that's natural or divine justice, that's not that's not legal justice. Well, Charles Upton, we could continue this conversation for a long time. I'm sure uh, it's delightful to talk to you. It's really eye opening. I appreciate the fact that you are coming from a position. You know where you're coming from, and that gives a lot of strength to your arguments. Uh, even if I disagree with where you're coming from, I, I enjoy the conversation very much, and I'm looking forward to well, more similar conversations with you in the future. Yes, yeah, so am I. I. I enjoy. I mean, I enjoy talking with you. I mean, I you know, I'm, I'm glad you challenge me as much as you do. I'm glad you don't challenge me more than you do. <laughs> so. So, it, uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Charles, thank you very much for being with me today. Well, glad to be here, and I'm looking forward to more of the same. And for those of you listening or watching, thank you for being with us.